I'm here today with my neighbor, Grace Meyer, who's been married for 26 years to the love of her life. And today we are going to talk about marriage, everlasting love, what makes for a happy and successful marriage, and advice she has for people who are going to get married or looking for a partner to get married to. So welcome, Grace. Thank you, Paige. I'm not sure what I will have to say, and certainly I am no expert, but I'm more than happy to talk about my experiences being married to someone. Lawrence and I got married later in life, so that may skew some of the answers, and I also know that there are people out there in the world who've been married much, married much longer than we, but I'm happy to answer and talk with you, probably more like a conversation about relationships. So how old are you, and how old is Lawrence? I'm 71, which Lawrence reminded me of the other day because I forgot. Sometimes I think I'm only 70, but Lawrence is 80. How did you meet Lawrence? Lawrence and I met each other at a New Year's Eve party. It was a setup. Both of us hadn't really been dating many people, so we're, we're older by this time and had established careers and friends that we knew each independently thought it would be a good idea for us to meet each other. So it was a New Year's Eve party setup. How did you feel when you first laid eyes on Don't laugh. How did you feel when you first laid eyes on Lawrence? It's a question about serious love, Grace. I'm laughing because it was not love at first sight. I think there's a lot of mythology that gets perpetuated by media and I, you know, some of the commercials I see on TV, I just want to gag. So the reality is that it was not love at first sight. I liked him. You know, it was like, oh, this is an interesting person. I know that there are people who have that experience of they look at someone across the room and they go, that's who I'm going to marry. But that wasn't true for Lawrence and I. So our marriage has been a marriage and love that has grown. Grace, I think you're blushing. Could be. How long have you been in love with Lawrence? I think that's a really important question. The whole concept, you may even want to do a podcast on what is love. I love my husband dearly. I'm aware that one thing I've learned as I've grown as a person and growing up, growing as a woman, that loving is a choice. So there have been a lot of times being around someone for over 26 years, because we've been together for longer than that. There are times when I didn't feel very loving. I didn't feel like, oh, I'm in love with you. And it was a decision that I made, but I will continue to call upon that place inside of me that knows how to be loving and knows how to be a loving person. And that got me to the place where I was back in love with my husband. And one of the things that we like to, he, Lawrence likes to say now is, are we in alignment? And for me, when he says that and the look on his, in his eyes and when, I, when I'm in alignment with where he is and what's going on in our lives, that's another way of saying, are we in loving right now? Are we in loving right now? What does that mean? For me, when I say I'm in loving right now, it means do I feel, am I having thoughts that are kind and loving? Am I f having that feeling of loving? It may not be the gushy, romantic love that I had early on, but it's a more mature, I would say a stronger loving than what I would use to describe. So I, th I think you've got a whole other podcast title on what is loving. So you and Lawrence were both married before. Can you tell me about that? And do you wish you had met him before your first husband? That's such a, good, a great question. Yes, Lawrence and I have both been married before. And do I wish that I had met him sooner? You know, I thought about that. 
I think both in both Lawrence and I, especially as we've gotten older and had the challenges we've had this last year, we it comes up as a joke or reminiscing point of view. And we both realized that we weren't ready to be with each other when we were younger. So in hindsight, I would say that I, I might have screwed it up because I just wasn't ready to be willing to do what it takes to be in a, in a long-term relationship for me. Other people may have different criteria about what it means to be in a long-term marriage, but for me, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. And I think Lawrence would probably say the same thing. What does it mean to be ready to love someone? These are such good questions, Paige. I mean, certainly no one sends you a message saying, okay, you're ready now. I think it's some of it's a knowing that you have inside. Some of it's just that suddenly you notice your behavior is different, like, oh, I'm behaving differently. I'm feeling differently in this relationship or how I am with myself. And so some of these questions I can answer in hindsight, like, oh, I noticed that I was, I, I felt safer with myself in, in life. I felt like I wasn't going to sabotage myself in life. And I was just noticing I was having different behaviors, not just with Lawrence, but with myself, is how I probably was aware that I was ready. And it wasn't a switch that just got flipped on, that's for sure. So it's a, it's a process. So you can't simply say, I'm ready to love someone, flip on a switch, everything is, is fine, that's not how it works? You know, I bet you could. I bet you could, because I know the power of intention. And there are some days when I wake up and I just, I tell myself, because it's been, we've had some bumpy ch times lately with Lawrence's health. And there are times I've had to just say, I am going to get through this day. I'm going to be a kind person. So, you know, on, on one hand, yeah, you could probably do it that way. And I know the power of intention works. I also know that you got to put in kind of the hard work. What is it like to spend 30 years with someone? Well, in some ways, it's just like any other person's life. You know, you're, you're spending all those, that time with yourself. You're spending time with family, if that's what you choose to do, or at a job. Or, and it gives, it gives the opportunity to really get to know someone well, if that's the kind of relationship you have where you both reveal a lot to each other. And it's a privilege, depending on the kind of relationship you have. But I, I look at it especially as we've gotten older, Lawrence and I have gotten older, it's been quite a privilege to be with someone on their journey, you know, to be with them through definitely the highs and lows and the thick and thin. How does it feel to watch someone get older? In all fairness, I think you need to ask Lawrence that question too. You know, some days, especially now that we're in the even older years, because I don't think I really thought about it until the last couple of years, because I don't consider us really old, although I know chronologically, sometimes it's shocking to hear myself say I'm 71. I'm like, what does that mean? And who is that? Well, I don't think you're old. You're very young at heart and you have a young spirit and a young personality. And I always know I certainly enjoy saying hi and catching up with you. So I just been watching someone go through the aging process, right? You met Lawrence when you were 40 or 41 and he was 50. And you have been married for a long time. How does it feel to watch some get older and go through life stages and change, you know, physically and cognitively? How does that feel? You know, sometimes it's been really fun and joyful because sometimes I feel like, okay, well, I may be getting grayer and gravity's taking hold of my body, but Lawrence is going through the same thing and he seems to think I'm still okay. So in some regard, 
the good news is that you're with somebody who's going through the same thing you are. And sometimes there's a sadness to it, especially these last couple of years as, as Lawrence and I really aged. Just to know that the end of our lives is closer than when we first started. Not only our relationship, but you know, just our lives in general. And it's been really fun because I've gotten to be close enough with him and we've developed over the years. We just see the hilarity of getting older and find a lot more freedom. I feel freer as a 71-year-old woman than I ever, ever, ever did as a young woman. Young meaning like even in my 40s and 50s. So in some ways, it's been great to watch and experience Lawrence getting older. I've seen his perspective on life change, and that's been really wonderful. I get the benefit of watching how he's, the payoff of what he's done with his life and how wise he is now. You know, getting to be around that and watch that process is really pretty special. So I would say that it's really been a gift to be around someone and watching them age. And during Lawrence's illness, that's really been the hard part. There's times when I just feel really sad. Sorry, Grace. That's all right. It's just part of life. You know, that's, I wouldn't, it's like that's the price of admission. If you want, for me, having a really deep relationship means that you got to be willing to go through the hard times and be willing to be really genuine and allow the other person to be genuine. I think the price of loving is really steep, but I wouldn't trade it, even if it means going through these really, really, really hard times with Lawrence being sick. Lawrence and I have talked a lot about this recently, recently meaning over this last year that these have been the best years of our marriage because of what we've learned about each other and how close it's brought us. And it's been a steep climb, but it's been worth it. You know, that's what I say, the price of admission has been steep. That's just us. That's how we are. When you say the price of admission is steep, do you mean the price for being in love with someone or just being married to them? For us, it's been both, you know, because the price of being married in a marriage that is not healthy for you, whoever you are, that can be a steep price. I'm talking about the kind of steep price where it's just so wonderful and good and solid. And the only way I see to get to those places is being willing to put in the hard work. What does it mean to put in the hard work? Well, for, for one thing, Lawrence and I, this is going to tell you a whole lot more about me than Lawrence. Before we got married, when we were dating, I don't know if we were living together yet, but I had felt, I felt like I was such a failure in my former relationships and marriages. Not that it was awful or bad. It's just that I, my self-esteem was really affected. So I had a lot of criteria and hoops he had to jump through to prove himself, but that turned out to be really good. So what I mean by this is that I wanted him and I to both get in couples counseling. We were in couples counseling for about a year before we got, I think we got married somewhere in the middle of that. I wanted him to do some trainings with me that would help us with our communication. And Lawrence and I, over the years, you know, which is totally normal, have had disagreements about either he had a real challenging thing come up with his career, or I did, and it affected me at home. And so there have been bumps. People change and grow. And I totally understand that, where sometimes people grow apart. But Lawrence and I were committed that we were not going to grow apart, meaning to where we didn't want to be with each other anymore. We were going to use it as our grist for the mill. Like, we're going to learn from this, and we're going to get through this. And we may really actually hate it right now, because it's so hard, but we're going to do it. I made a commitment to myself that I was not going to get divorced again. And saying that, I mean that I knew that, of course, if there was abuse or there, I, I had my 
my criterion side, but it was like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make this work as long as it stays healthy for both of us. So you made Lawrence jump through some hoops. Well, like I was saying, I told him that he had to go to counseling with me. Not, not everybody wants to raise their hand to do that. Some people have very different views on that. So that was one of the things. And I, I push him. Part of it is what I've learned about what works in relationships and what works for me based on what I've learned over the years through schooling or my job or just my own personal awareness. And so he will probably be the first one to tell you that I am not always the easiest person to live with because I don't let him get away with a lot of stuff. Meaning, I know you were going to ask me, what does that mean? Like, I want him to talk to me. If something's going on, he needs to talk to me about it, not just go hide in his office. He has a career where he spends a lot of time alone. That's just part of the function of his career as a photographer. But there's times when it's like, okay, that's enough alone time. You got to come communicate with me. So when you say Lawrence had to go to counseling, was that at the very beginning of your relationship before you even started seriously dating? Or was that a few weeks or months in? I didn't say he had to go by he himself, although it's interesting. His father died right when we first started dating, and he was already going to counseling for that because of the grief of his father passing. And I do think that helped us get off to a good start because he had some experience with being willing to talk about deeper feelings. What I meant about therapy was that when we were getting very serious. I think we'd been probably dating a year and a half, almost two years. I said, you and I are going to go to the therapist. We're going to go be in a couple, a group with couples. And we were in that group probably for about a year. So I do think that helped us early in our marriage. That's what you're talking about. There have been times when I said, I think you need to go talk to someone because he was going through something and it was challenging for both of us, Bring, you know, like bringing your work home, things like that. Now, sometimes I just said that because I was pissed off. I certainly have taken advantage of seeing a therapist periodically. Just to, you know, like, I don't know how anybody can get through life without finding resources to discover who you are. Because everywhere you go, there you are. And if you think that getting married is going to be your escape route, I, I think you're in for a bumpy ride. You know, I think that when I was younger, so that would have been, you know, put me to kind of a different time of life. My first marriage was probably a marriage of all my friends are doing it. That's kind of what my mom and dad thought would happen. And I think it was a marriage of, yes, I really loved the person, but it was a different, you know, my ability to love deeply was very different back then. So it was kind of a marriage of, okay, I think this is what I'm supposed to do next in life. And then I think some of my second marriage, so I've been married Lawrence is my third marriage, um, was a marriage of, I was older, I was definitely more mature, but I was still at a place in my life where I was unsure of who I was as a human being. And I think I was looking for a spouse and I found one that I could kind of live through vicariously, you know, like their accolades and their strengths. I, I stood a little bit in the shadow, sometimes willingly, sometimes I fought against it. That was part of my growing up of learning how to come out from behind anybody's shadow and just stand on my own two feet. And some of these lessons are just lifelong. I mean, I think for anybody, and I'm sure it's different for different people. I'm guessing there are people who get married to get out of a family situation. So you say in your last marriage, your previous one before Lawrence, 
you are living vicariously through that person. How long were you married to them? And what was the moment you knew that you could no longer be with them? So I want to be clear, I wasn't living vicariously through them all the time, but it was enough of a time. The good news is I was getting more and more uncomfortable with who I was in life by pretending I was someone other than who I was. And I just happened to be married during part of that maturation process. So I, you know, I don't remember how long we were married or together. I don't know, maybe eight or nine years. And I knew it was time because they met someone else. And so what the precipitating event was that they met someone else. However, the uncomfortableness inside of me was such that I think eventually I would have said, it doesn't matter that there was someone else. I'm actually kind of glad it happened that way because the marriage, the relationship that wasn't working to an end, it might not have been as graceful as either of us would have liked, but you know, it that didn't really matter in the long run. So he had an affair? Uh, yeah, he did. I, it didn't last real long in terms of it was someone that he went then went on to be with. How long was the space between your ex-husband and meeting Lawrence? How many years did it take for you to meet him? This is a function of turning 71. I can't remember things very well anymore. Do you think it's better to be in a comfortable relationship that you're maybe not so invested in? It's not that it's a bad relationship, but it's maybe not one you had envisioned for yourself. Or to just, you know, be alone kind of walk through life alone. You know, there. I, I want you to know there's a, a, a long-term marriage is not red hot all the time. There are times when it can kind of feel like emotionally like a plateau where, oh, we're just both focused on our daily lives, going to work, you're maybe raising kids, which is just a whole other element that gets introduced. Love changes. Love grows and matures and you may or may not, you know, sex is a whole nother element of that. So I I don't know how to answer that, that yeah, it's better to do one or the other. I think it's just depending on each person. If you are comfortable with the person, that's not a bad thing. I would hope people would be comfortable with the person they're with, you know, otherwise like why the hell are you with them? Is that a sign that you're just settling? That's a question that only each person individually can answer only I would know if I was settling or if I'm just comfortable right now with this person. Yeah, I think that being comfortable, you need to define that a little bit more for me to be able to answer that. Because I, you know, being comfortable is not necessarily a bad thing. So there's this whole thing now in dating where people are trying to find optimal partners. They are, I'm glad to see you laugh. I think that's a little ridiculous too. So an optimal partner would be someone who really wants to find someone who fits everything they've ever wanted. Someone who has your same value system, your same lifestyle, does all the things you like to do. I was reading something about how the advent of online dating has made this phenomenon worse because it feels like you have so many options you can just kind of pick from and you can get the best of the best of the best. What do you think about that? How do you know if you are settling or if you are overly optimizing for something or sorry, someone that does not exist? Okay, so I have a very different point of view of this. It's like who you are today and who you might think is optimal today may in 10 years not be. If you want to stagnate and not grow or change, well then yeah, okay, you might check all the boxes today, but Life is a crapshoot, and you have no idea 
who you're going to grow into as you get older. None of us do. I'm certainly not the person today I thought I would be. I didn't even think I had an image of who I would be when I got to be an older woman. And I certainly had some deal breakers. And there may be deal breakers for people going into relationships. Like for some reason, some people may be having someone be of the same faith they are or want to have kids, things like that. But I'll tell you, I wanted to have kids at one point and I don't have children. I wish I could tell the person. So I'm going to be talking to the, the woman I was when I was young. I think you just do the very best you can at the time because you don't know what will come forward in life. People change, but also life throws things at you, like like Lawrence's health situation. You know, that happens for people, some people when they're very young. And, well, that wasn't on your optimal list. Well, how would you ever know if it would be or not? Some people say they want someone who wants to have kids with, but maybe they can't have children, or maybe they realize they've lived long enough now that even Lawrence and I tried having kids when we got together and thought about adoption. And then we both realized that we were at the point where the age we would be at when we'd be going to PTA meetings and school events with young children, it was like, I would be exhausted by that age. So we just realized that it wasn't in the cards for us. But I could have said that's a deal breaker because it wasn't on the list, but I just had to go with where I felt I was at the time in my life and who I was becoming. So this is such a good question. And I, I might answer, have answered this question much differently when I was a young woman, being much more optimistic and idealistic. And just what you described about online dating and the choices and the pressure. I don't know if it's any worse now than when I was young. I would just say that this certainly is part of the process of getting older and maturing. And I don't mean that like people are immature now. I'm just like, we all mature. I mean, I still feel like I'm still growing up. So there is a lot of pressure for people, especially for women to find a partner at a young age. What do you think about that? I think it's unfair. Having traveled that myself, that road myself. And I want you to know, as older women, that does not go away. I consider myself a pretty independent woman. And I want you to know that I still feel that pressure and know know that some of my friends my age feel that pressure. What pressure can you feel? You've been married for 26 years. What do you mean it doesn't stop, Grace? Okay, so the pressure to get married or be married, you're right. I, I'm there, but it's not something I get to coast on. Like, oh boy, I'm married now. Don't have I can check that off. I don't have to ever worry about that. I'm just aware that culturally, our culture, and I'm guessing a lot of cultures in this world, there is so much pressure. And to be fair to men, there is a lot of pressure on men. It may be slightly different in some areas, but this whole thing about that you're not valuable by yourself, it's bullshit. It's just bullshit. In fact, I think there's more value in learning how to be with yourself and value yourself that will contribute highly to a good relationship if you are ever in one. And if you're not, so much you're just going to be fine. Are there times when you would be lonely? There were times when I was lonely when I was single, yes. But I want you to know you can be lonely and be in a marriage. So, you know, I just think there's a lot of mythology out there in the world about marriage is going to save everything. See, man, I can't just get married to some person. Grace covered her mouth. That's right. She swore on my podcast. You're actually the first person to swear on my podcast. Don't be sorry. I think it's great. I love it. I love it. So you're saying that I can't just go find someone, say, terrific, get married, and then I never have any problems again. That's not going to happen? 
I, I think I think you know the answer to that. What are some qualities we should look for in potential marriage partners? Taking age and time out of the equation, when you're looking at a person that you are thinking about getting married to, what are some qualities that are green flags, that are positive indicators that they will be a good fit for a long-term relationship? Um, I used to be attracted to what I'll call cigarette men. It had nothing to do with whether they smoked or not. I used to be attracted to men for it would always turn out would be not a good match for me, or I would end up being very unhappy. So because I knew that cigarettes were not personally good for me, I would call them my cigarette men. And why I kept finding that I would be attracted to them over and over and over again. And finally, when I met Lawrence, it dawned on me, you know, maybe I should start dating someone who's just a really nice guy, according to what my definition of nice guy was. Someone who was kind, someone who was willing to take interest in what I was doing, um, was willing to sacrifice maybe everything that they only, you know, only focus on what they wanted to do, but spend time with me doing things I enjoyed doing. Also, someone who's willing to spend time by themselves that, you know, I didn't, we didn't need to always be around each other. I think kindness, the older I get, the more that that is a really underrated, I see how underrated that is and how amazingly important that is. But those are my values, you know, someone who it really helps that Lawrence loves to cook because he's really good and I'm not. What I really appreciate about Lawrence is he's really curious about the world and has been a lifelong learner. So that's something that appeals to me. I think it's really important to learn more about yourself so you even know what kind of person you'll be attracted to and vice versa. The more you know yourself, the more someone else will be able to say, oh, I like who that person is. They're this, this, and that, or they like these things. But if you're kind of just beige and plain all the time, plain meaning you aren't sure who you are or what you like, I think that would be hard for someone to know if you're a good match for them. How did you know Lawrence was the right person for you? And how can anyone know if they're with the right person? Also, I love the fact that you had several cigarette men in your life. I think we should do a very special episode on the cigarette men you've dated. I want to hear about that. They were all very nice men whose names will remain in my heart forever and not on my lips. How did I know Lawrence was the one? I think the more time I spent with him, the more I noticed how I felt when I was around him. Did I feel validated? Did I feel appreciated? Did I feel valued? Was he respectful of me? And did I feel myself, did I feel more like myself when I was around him? And I would say that was a big one, is that I felt relaxed enough to just be myself. And I wasn't uncomfortable all the time. I wasn't feeling like I had to be someone that I wasn't. And I, I had done that in some dating relationships. Like I put on this pair of clothes that I wasn't, that wasn't me figuratively. So I think it, how I knew was more like how I, how I experienced myself when I was around him. And I don't know if there was a magic time, but it really began to grow on me, our relationship, that it was a good relationship and that he was a really good, decent, kind person. And I decided that that's what I wanted to be around, that he was the person that I wanted to be around. Do you believe in soulmates? That's such a great question because I've heard 
people talk about that they found their soulmate or I think Lawrence and I grew into being soulmates to use that term. And, and you know, I wonder if you could be soulmates with, if, I, I don't know if there's only one person that you could be soulmates with. Like if you don't find them, then you're screwed. I don't think that. Um, I think Lawrence and I have become each other's soulmates because of the quality of the relationship we've had and how we've worked with each other on how we worked on ourselves to be that person. He is definitely my best friend. And if that's the definition of a soulmate, well, then, then I guess we are. He is definitely my best friend. I would do anything for him. I know he would do anything for me. And some of it, it, it we've gotten to that point because of just going, life being real and going through the stuff you go through when you grow up and, you know, the financial hits that sometimes people go through or the job hits that you go through and maybe you have a sick kid or or whatever it is and how you get through those times plus how you get through all the really good things. Are you appreciative of all the good things? Do you laugh a lot? I mean, Lawrence has a very different kind of sense of humor that makes me laugh a lot. That was another thing that I really liked about our relationship is that we laughed a lot. Not at each other, but about life and laughter in a good way. So I would say that Lawrence would be, depending on how you define soulmate, I guess that might answer that. That answers the question perfectly. So to you, a soulmate is someone who's your best friend. Yes, that's definitely part of it. My best friend that I really, really love deeply that... I don't want to be anywhere, even though it's been hell this last year, I would, I don't want to be anywhere else but right here with Lawrence. That is so beautiful. It makes me really, I know this year has been really hard for you, but I feel like I've seen you both really weather through quite a difficult storm and come out stronger than ever. When you look at Lawrence, do you see him as he is now or do you see the man you met? I love that question. You know, I think it's both. It's such an interesting thing to be able to see someone, been with someone long enough to see them physically change and change in other other ways. But he still, I still can find and see in him that younger man that I met. I can see him as a kid, even though I, I never knew him when he was little, but I've seen pictures of him and I definitely see that in him. And I really appreciate all the, the lines and wrinkles on his face now. I appreciate that he's finally getting grayer hair because, you know, I've been grayer longer than he has, and he's now catching up, and it's about damn time. So I think sometimes there there is also a sadness of knowing that the aging process is an indicator that, you know, we're both moving towards that time when we won't be together because we're, you know, one of us has died. So it's one of those kind of bittersweet things in life. So... Grace, I must be honest. I have a terrifying fear of getting older. I don't laugh at me. I am, you're laughing with me. That's nice. That's right. You have a good sense of humor and only laugh with people and not at them. I am nervous, not because of the aging process, but I'm nervous about making some sort of wrong choice that is harder to undo. It sounds like you made a choice that was not the best for you, but you found someone you really loved and you might not have met him otherwise. When you were my age, did you have that fear of making the wrong choice? Yes. And I'm so glad you brought that up. And truly, I was laughing with you because I've been afraid of making the wrong choice many times in my life. It might be part of the human condition. I don't know. What I have learned 
and I can't say this like, oh boy, I've got it handled. All I can say is I, I'm still learning it because there are days even now when I think I'm afraid I'm making the wrong choice about something. But I have, I think part of it is just being willing to trust yourself, take really good care of yourself and begin to know yourself more so that you, you can trust yourself more in your decisions and know that there is no guarantee in life. And anyone who tells you that, that there is a guarantee is just full of hot air. And what I mean by that is that there's no guarantee that you may absolutely make 100% the best choice for yourself and things may still change. The other person may change or a whole other set of circumstances may show up. So I think you just have to go out and live life and be willing to make the mistakes. And for someone who was mistake adverse as I was at times, that was really hard, you know, to fall down and realize, oh my God, I really screwed that up. Or man, I was embarrassed about that, how I behaved in that relationship or just whatever it is. We're all, we're all like that. We all have that. And if someone says, oh, they've never had it, I just, I would be suspect if they never had a fear of making a mistake. But you just go on and you, sometimes you make your mistakes. And like you said, which I think is so true. You know, I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't made those mistakes and decided to learn from them or make different choices based on them. I wouldn't be here with Lawrence. I wouldn't be here having learned some of the things I've learned and so, so amazingly grateful that I have. So like I said to you at one point, you know, I kissed some frogs along the way to find my Prince Charming. They were nice frogs. They just weren't working at that time. But you have to be willing to risk. Otherwise, you live in a cocoon, protected, and you don't grow, you just kind of suffocate. And I don't think that's very attractive to other people, certainly not attractive to yourself. Like, why would you want to live with yourself that way? I think that you got to be willing to go out there and fall flat on your face and, and know that you pick yourself up and you go on. And you would be so surprised and amazed at what you can learn in the process. And there may be a lot of other people who just fell on their face at the same time that you can laugh with. And you may learn that one of those people ends up being a really good partner. You never know. So there's just no guarantee. That's great, Grace. Do you feel like Lawrence was the only person that you could have been happy with? Do you think that there are other universes in which you are with other partners? Do you think that you could have maybe met someone totally different than Lawrence and been just as happy? Or do you believe that Lawrence was the only one for you? That's such an interesting question because... It, I could answer it very philosophically or I don't, it, I don't know the answer to that. I just know that this worked, this ended up working. I, th I bet there are, I mean, I, I bet there are other people. If, if I had made a different, made different choices with another person, maybe we would have, maybe they, it would be a great relationship. I don't know. I can only do one at a time. I have a hunch that, that we are not destined that if you don't find your person within the first 10 years of your life, you're fucked. I don't believe that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to swear. Well, I guess I did, because I did. Um, I just feel like you just haven't found them yet. And it could be that the three that you've been dating all along were totally on purpose for you to find number four. And I always believe like, well then hurry up and go, get through the three so you can find that number four. Be willing to take the risk knowing that number three might actually be the one you never know so there is there's a psychologist his name is robert sternberg and he has this theory about love and his theory is that love has three components passion intimacy and commitment passion by itself is being in 
a relationship with someone that is purely physical, right? It's like you said earlier, it's red hot, but you're not interested in getting to know them or being committed to them. Commitment by itself is a relationship that is empty. That's an arranged marriage. You have no intimacy with that person. You have no passion for them. You're just together because you have some sort of duty to your family or to community. Intimacy by itself is a friendship. So we have intimacy. We have a friendship. We do not have commitment or passion, unfortunately, but we have, we have intimacy. He theorized that most relationships go from intimacy and passion to intimacy and commitment, where you go from a relationship that's red hot, where you're constantly loving on each other, you're very intimate, you're very passionate together, to one where you're in more of a partnership. That is how he said most relationships sort of pan out. However, there's another type of relationship you can have, which has all three of those components. That is called consummate love. Do you and Lawrence have consummate love? And what do you think about that theory? According to his definition, I would say, yes, we have consummate love. But I beg to differ with him about commitment. I don't think that, personally for me, I don't think that those stages are like in chronological order or one without the other. Like, I think the lines are much blurrier. And you can be in a red-hot relationship that's just purely sexual and be married to that person for a long, long, long time. I think that the beauty of my relationship with Lawrence is that we've allowed it to grow over the years through all the stages, and all the stages are active at one time or another, even still. I have one final question for you. For people who are in marriages, how would you recommend they keep the love alive? Tips for being in a good relationship or keeping the love alive. I think just keep willing to make the decision that you're going to be loving. Because really loving is, is big. It, it's more of a choice than just an emotion. And there's a story. Someone told me this. Some teacher told me this a while ago. It's a story of a man. He went to his spiritual teacher and said, you know, I'd really like your blessing. I want to divorce my wife, but I, I won't do it unless I get your blessing. And the teacher said to him, and if you don't like the word teacher, substitute priest or minister or whomever. And the, the teacher said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you my blessing on getting a divorce from your wife if you go back and learn how to serve her 100%. Once you learn how to serve her 100%, come back and I'll give you my blessing on getting a divorce from her. So the man went back and really struggled with it for a while. But he, over time, he learned how to really be of service to his wife, not be a slave or a servant, but really be of service to her and what that meant. And he found he fell in love with his wife and he didn't want to get a divorce. So I've, I've hung on to that story a lot in my life um, as I've gotten older, that if I can really be of service, be kind, be loving with Lawrence, look, be willing to look at life how he's looking at it, not just how what's in it for me. However, I will say as someone who's so willing to kind of put myself last and eat the burnt, burnt toast, as some people have said, it's also been important for me to say, no, this is really important to me and I'm not going to do that or no, I won't help you with that. I've got to make time for myself. Lawrence is an artist, and he spent, like I said earlier, he spends a lot of time by himself working on his craft. I, too, am an artist, and sometimes that conflicts, meaning that, well, then who's going to make dinner if we're both in our studios? So, you know, it's being willing for me to speak up and say, no, it's your turn, 
or no, I guess we're not going to have dinner because guess who didn't make it tonight or things like that, you know, but it's not a bad thing. Conflict is not a bad thing to a certain degree. So anyway, these are great questions, Paige. I, I hope it's been a minuscule of help. I feel like I've I got to be careful because I know I can walk in the house and probably pick a fight with Lawrence. So it's just, it's just, you know, life is a moving target and love and marriage always, always, always needs care and attention and feeding. I think just taking it for granted or assuming, okay, we're married now. It's, we're done. We can just get on with life. It's just not true. 